welcome to Worst Best Sellers, where we read about two living dummies so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Night of the Living Dummy by R.L. Stein. Joining us to discuss this single goosebump is repeat offender, New York Times bestselling author of Sadie and the forthcoming I'm the Girl, Courtney Summers. Hello. I'm so happy to be darkening your doorstep again. (laughs) I'm I'm so excited. Welcome back, Courtney. If you didn't listen to Courtney's Babysitter's Club episode last summer, first of all, why not? What's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) A lot. Sorry, that was aggressive. It was right, though. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I love Courtney Summers' book so much, and I'm so excited to get to talk to Courtney, and I was so excited last summer that I agreed (laughs) that I would read one Goosebump if Courtney would come back on the podcast, and here she is. Here I am. Here's Kate also, who who has read all the goosebumps, I think, already. I have, yes, read all of the goosebumps. So much has happened since we, like, last connected. Like, you're big celebrities now. Lots of <laughs> press coverage. Yes. It's so, it's so good. No, really, like, honestly, it's so good to see you guys getting recognition for what you're doing. I love this podcast. I love being on it. I get to be on it twice. Oh, my God. Courtney, you can be on it as many times as you want. <laughs> we we got to do, do a single Sweet Valley sometime. Ooh, oh, my like God, Sweet yes. Valley Twins. Yes. The unicorn. Or club. I was gonna say there were the Sweet Valley High like thrillers or whatever. Just oh, in like keeping with, with Margo your... the evil twin. Yes. Okay, but let's stick <laughs> to the present. We cannot get carried oh, away. Goosebumps. Singular goosebump. So yeah, if you're listening, like most people I feel like have read a goosebump and know about the goosebump series. If not, there was a previous worst bestsellers episode about the many works of R.L. Stein, but I wasn't on it because I refused. And also I was traveling, but mostly because I refused. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like, I know these books are so popular, but I famously am a scaredy cat and famously never read one. Never once looked at one and thought, yes, this looks like something I should read. I was always until just like, now. no, yeah, until now. Well, you didn't even, well, that wasn't even like you looked at it and thought you should read it. We bullied you. Bullying works. <laughs> If I remember the lore correctly, it was very specifically Say Cheese and Die that you looked at once and were like, I can't <laughs> read these the, ever. That was the scariest one to me, which is, of course, the one where there's a skeleton like or like it's a photo skeleton of skeleton barbecue. Yeah, skeletons on a barbecue. <laughs> Hate it. Why are they? Why? I will never know because we don't read that one. <laughs> um, that even also like they all had the, the the green slime on the cover and I didn't like that and it turns out that was right of me not to like that. <laughs> this is just like uh, misophonia to you. Goosebumps is your misophonia. You just like the noise you hear and you don't want anywhere near your head. Or I was gonna say like when things are like brightly colored to scare off predators. Like to to me the like slime on a book is to scare off me the book predator. Like <laughs> I'll go eat something else, I guess. And here you are. Here I am. And I, I have to say I'm a little disappointed because I feel like in terms of the podcast, like the funniest outcome would be if I read this and I was like, oh, I was so terrified I couldn't sleep. And that wasn't that wasn't really what happened. And then I feel like the second best outcome for the podcast is if I was like, oh, 
this is incredible. Like, I can't believe I was missing out on all these great books. <laughs> and that also was not my reaction. I feel like where I'm at was like, oh, this okay. is fine. It's fine. You have to be nine. If you don't get in on the ground floor with goosebumps, I mean. I totally get that. Yeah. That's your shame. And that's yeah. the shame you'll carry throughout this episode. <laughs> I I think, too, it's very I, – I think a, a kind of corollary of that you have to be nine is that so many of the tropes used in the Goosebumps are tropes in the l- larger world of horror. Right. That once – as an adult, if you've never read a Goosebump but you are into horror, as an adult, if you go back and read them for the first time, you'll – you. You're just like, oh, well, that's a ripoff of whatever. <laughs> but at, at nine, when this is your first encounter of something like this, it is just... It's groundbreaking. Yes. I was saying before that before we started recording that I'll always remember Ghost Beach because it was the first time I encountered the, oh my God, like the protagonist was dead the whole time. <laughs> and it was, it like shook me as a child. I was like, that is the whole time the girl narrating it was a ghost. And Spoilers. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, we, did, we didn't do a spoiler warning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you, if you haven't read Ghost Speech yet and you are nine and you're somehow listening to this podcast, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry for saying the F word so frequently. We are, we are tagged in explicit in iTunes. You, oh my you knew what you were getting into. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very like he takes a lot of these very like foundational concepts in horror and turns them into, you know, a hundred page stories about 11 year olds so i i do think if you're a you're not in a horror and b you're not nine years old it puts the books at a disadvantage yes. yeah for you have sure. to go in with a, a full heart so why didn't you because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, my heart was destroyed by reading courtney summer's books okay who's to blame for that <laughs> oh, flattery will get you everywhere <laughs> This book still it had some like twists and turns for me, mostly because like I've never read Goosebumps except for this one, but I have been a millennial on the internet and I have like existed in society. And so like I know I know about Slappy the dummy. I know his name is Slappy. And in this book, it's about Slappy, but it's also about a dummy named Mr. Wood. I misremembered like, this book so much. Yeah, I was like, who's this gentleman? I've never heard of this one. <laughs> I think in the TV show, like it's it ends with um, like Slappy takes on all of Mr. Wood's attributes, and then he like, and then Mr. Wood at the end is like, ha ha ha, we got rid of Slappy. Now it's my turn, which was a better choice entertainment wise, because it's hard to take a dummy that's trying to kill everyone named Mr. Wood very seriously. It's true in a children's novel. I mean, what, were Slappy. They yeah, I mean, Mr. Wood has, like, the boner joke, I guess. But, like, Slappy yes. is also goofy. Yeah, that's too true. Yes. Yeah, I also <laughs> misremembered this as I – this was never one of, like, my favorite favorites as a kid. And I also, like, completely misremembered and was like, yeah, like, Slappy is kind of the star. And then I yeah. Googled it, and I guess, like, I was thinking of the second Night of the Living right. Dummy. I think I was too. Yeah. I don't know why, like – I just I'm surprised it started this way. I don't know. I was like so I the idea of Slappy is so big now. Just to go into this and not have Slappy, I was like, well, 
I've ruined the podcast already. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like this is almost like not quite a Berenstein effect or something like that, but just where like, it, like forgotten Goosebumps lore. Cause then I was yeah. on the Goosebumps wiki. Like Flappy has his own like franchise. Mr. Wood never heard from again. I will say to, to bring it back around to like, different horror tropes probably not on purpose but it is very reminiscent of the friday the 13th movies where in the first friday the 13th movie jason is not the killer it is mrs Voorhees' his mother but nobody ever remembers that because when you think friday the 13th you think jason Voorhees in the hockey mask and he also doesn't get the hockey mask in the third movie yep i love talking with my people (laughs) (laughs) That's sexism. Why are we erasing the accomplishments of a girl boss? <laughs> I've never seen that movie, so if she does anything like <laughs> just do a single Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> she does do a lot of murders. She does murder a lot of teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I understand that. But I was gonna say like anything like particularly problematic for the genre. Like, yeah, she's a murderer, but is she racist? Or like is she killing white people? I don't know. Yeah, she's killing white people. You have to be a camp counselor. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, girl boss. Anyway. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was her out. She was like, you could be anyone. As long as you were a camp counselor, you deserve to die. <laughs> that was what Mrs. Morris was about. Yeah. They let as Jason a die. camp counselor, agree. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'm like, loving really, a borrowed time. Like, did you agree to that job? Like, you wanted it? I agree to be your camp counselor. Yeah, like, wasn't something like enforced in your home? (laughs) I was a camp counselor for four years and I loved it. Kate was a camp counselor for one summer because I dragged her into it. I don't think she she loved it as much. But (laughs) it was was fun. It was a good way to spend a summer. It was not outside, really? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It was very outside, yes. I did get very sunburned multiple times. No, but you didn't get killed. So I did not get murdered, but I also was not having sex in an abandoned cabin in the middle of the night. So making good choices. Yeah, I mean, you either get murder or tetanus. So yeah, I mean, there's a few things Girl Scout Camp has going for it, and like one is the is all girls, so no heterosexual sex was being had anyway, and then also no cabins. I've like I feel like it's harder to sneak up on a tent. Maybe I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. You spent a summer in a in a tent. Yeah. What about this? Sounds like fun. Like <laughs> on paper. Oh my god, Courtney! This is how I feel when someone says like I sat down to read a goosebump with slime on the cover. Wow. <laughs> We're finding like a point of relation here. That's that's special. <laughs> I think I'm the right one in this case. <laughs> uh, certainly in the world, more copies of Goosebumps have been sold than people have worked at summer camps. I have not checked the numbers on that, but it feels true in my heart. I believe you. I will back uh, that up. I will defend you in court. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, let's... I Okay, so Night of the Living Dummy. I... Uh, you know, people talk about the unlikable girls of a Courtney Summers book, and I feel like Chris and Lindy Powell of Night of the Living Dummy are, like, on their way. They're on their way yeah, to yeah. be a Courtney Summers girl. There's some, like, fraught 
uh, twin rivalry going on there. My God, these girls could not hate each other more. And even when they like come together to defeat the dummy, they I don't I don't think they liked each other at the end of it. It was just like, I guess we did that together, you know. Like there was just a whole I don't know. Did anyone say they loved each other? At least when, nobody in that family loved each other. No, no, it was a bad family. No, they are the product of their home. And so we have to be empathetic to them. And I keep thinking, and Courtney, I know this is going to be a problematic statement for you. <laughs> I kept thinking of the a, a Babysitter's Club book that we read last summer with a different guest, Mallory and the Trouble with Twins, I think. Something about twins. Where yeah. Mallory is babysitting a set of twins whose mom is forcing them to dress alike. And Mallory intuits that these girls need to express their own opinions separately and she helps them buy different outfits you can go back and listen to that episode if you need a recap but mallory healed those twins and i feel like mallory mallory could (laughs) fix them (laughs) mallory Mallory could fix chris and lindy first of all that book doesn't exist because mallory pike never did a useful thing in her life You invented a babysitter's club fiction or you found a fan fiction online from the one person who likes Mallory. But the first thing she would do is come into this house and end up murdered by a ventriloquist dummy. And the worst part is nobody at the Pike house would notice because that house is a disaster. (laughs) They would notice because they would need someone to babysit the younger Pike. That's true. Yeah, but they wouldn't go looking for her. They'd hire a babysitter for the babysitter. I'm saying, like, you just said Mallory would heal his family, and that's patently untrue. And I would not defend you in court over that. I just want to clarify my point. I do not think Mallory is up to dealing with Mr. Wood or Slappy, or especially not both of them. I don't think she's up to dummy fighting. But I think if she had gotten in on the ground floor and babysat these girls earlier in their lives, could have prevented this whole thing from happening. I am Mallory agnostic. But here is what I will say. The flaw in your premise is Renata. Uh I'm listening. These are not like super samey twins. They already have different (laughs) haircuts. They already dress differently and they already have different interests. How do you feel that? They're not suffering under that like uh, our parents are so obsessed with us being twins that they won't let us be individuals. They are individuals, but their jealousy runs so deep among one between one another that they <laughs> won't pursue their individuality because they are obsessed with one-upping the other one. So I think it's a different scenario. It is not right. the same premise. You're and they right. both have like a base level of talent, which Mallory Pike does not have. Okay. I So she can't relate to them. Okay. Here okay. Here's who could fix this family then. It's Claudia. It's Christy. What? <laughs> <laughs> Either of them. You know, I I think it's I think it's just ultimately not a test for a junior babysitter. That's true. I would agree with that. But like I think Claudia Claudia like, Claudia's yeah. so zen they'd murder each other while she was like But she could help them express their artistic passions. And because Claudia herself has such sibling rivalry of, like, her sister, I think she could, like, relate on that that level. I can see Claudia. I can see Christy. I feel like pretty much anyone else would panic at the dummy. I think Claudia and Christy especially would go out to her car and take her softball bat out. Yes. And beat the shit out of those dummies. Agreed. 
And Claudia would come up with some like elaborate Home Alone style trap to (laughs) get rid of them. She'd also dress them in interesting clothes. Yes. I also think that the Netflix version of Dawn where she's like a Latina witch now, I think that Dawn could also handle it. But I don't think blonde Mm. book Dawn could handle it. Okay, I agree with that. Thank you. She couldn't even handle Stony Brook. She left. (laughs) So true. (laughs) What a quitter. Um... (laughs) I feel like I should be like, let's get back to Goosebumps, but I just would rather talk about the Babysitter's Club. <laughs> you know what? This is your podcast. <laughs> um, no, Kate, I don't know. Kate, you say something about Goosebumps. I do feel like the people want Goosebumps. Some I, of the people. It's true. Some of the people do. This was, I, I guess I sort of started saying this earlier and then we got sidetracked that like this was not one of my favorites and I didn't remember it super well. There were genuinely, like, goosebumps growing up that I, I mean, I read basically anything that had, like, uh, like creepy ellipsis in the tagline on the cover or was created by some sort of horror imprint. Anything, Any, with, anything with green slime on it, probably. Anything with green slime on it. And I graduated from Goosebumps pretty quickly, but, like... I read so many of them before I did that, <laughs> before I moved on to, you know, your Christopher Pikes and your right, your streets Pike. and your point horror. But it, th- this one, it's interesting to me that it became so iconic because I feel like when I was reading them in our household, I think we read like all of the Monster Bloods multiple times. But I don't think we were ever particularly into the Night of the Living Dummy ones. But, like, Slappy did, like, sort of take over the entire Goosebumps franchise. He, he really did. He was – he creeped – because I was in and out of Goosebumps because I was more the Babysitter's Club. And Slappy is, to me, like, the defining Goosebumps villain. And I and I was – and I misremembered the book, too, like, by a lot. And I was confusing it with the, the Canadian television adaptation of Goosebumps. And like this, and it was scary. Like Slappy was terrifying. There was like he's he, I think in the episode of the show, he's like they they're locked in the bathroom, and he's running around the house with like a knife in his hand, if I remember correctly. And you can see his little, you know, ventriloquist dummy feet tip tapping under the door. It was scary. That wasn't in this book, and I thought it was going to be in this book. I was so excited. I'm like, where's the bathroom scene? And it never happened. <laughs> And I will say, like, the Goosebumps show and then R.L. Stein's other shows, I think you have one called, like, The Witching Hour or something like that, and mostly ghostly. Oh, my God. I didn't know he had that many TV shows. They were, like, they were pretty prime stuff. Like, this guy knows how to write a, you know, 30-minute horror short. Yeah, he does. I deeply appreciate it, like his influence on making everything super spooky in the mid '90s for teens, uh, tweens. <laughs> he is, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit in that way, and he, I think, he is why, like, we had some, like, you could go from him to Christopher Pike, and um, the Fear Street novels because he did the YAs too, and then we there was always those like teen anthology, like Thirteen Tales of Horror and everything like that. It was like such a golden era for teen teen horror. You don't get that anymore. It's a bummer. Uh, I was thinking about the anthology Cat Dogs 
last night or a couple nights ago, as I occasionally do, um, which was a point <laughs> horror book, and reminiscing with one of my roommates, and like even just like I was googling it to show her what the cover looked like, and all these other point horror anthology covers came up, and I was like. Man, those were the days where you go to your Scholastic Book Fair with five bucks and you come home with like two of these cheap paperback anthologies of like creepy stories. And, you know, that was the life, man. It really was. And Lois Duncan and all these other ones that, you know, like you get like, like the quality would vary, but you'd have like your good Lois Duncan and then you'd have your like Goosebump and then you'd have your Christopher. Oh, God. What's wrong with publishing? Okay, if I ask you to define cat dog for me, is that going to make me upset? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe a little. (laughs) Okay. uh, Very, very broadly, uh, the story is that this girl finds uh, what she thinks is an abandoned, like, basket of kittens. But as she brings them home and they start to grow. I'm already out. I'm already out. Why are they abandoned? I hate it. (laughs) You should see the cover. (laughs) No. <laughs> As they start to grow, they take on more dog-like tendencies. And then, like, it just so happens that someone is visiting from some Scandinavian country who's like, oh, like, yeah, those are a mythical beast that's, like, part cat and part fox and all evil. And <laughs> Oh, I want one. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, don't look at the cover. <laughs> Okay. It has such a Stephen King vibe, doesn't it? It looks like the cover of Cujo, a yeah. cover of Cujo. They were definitely trying to riff on that. Okay. I'll reluctantly drive the bus back over to Goosebumps Town, I guess. <laughs> well, we could go further down Catdog Street, but I don't think you want to go there either. No, I'm out. Thank you, though. Okay. So this book, there's a lot in this that raised my eyebrows. So this is, as we discussed, like, seven hours ago when we started this. I don't know. Chris and Lindy <laughs> are, are twin girls who are 12, and they live in suburbia, and they're they're jealous and mean to each other. Their parents are neglectful and unprepared for the job of parenting. Lindy finds a dummy in the garbage, and she's, like, literally in a exactly dumpster. exactly the right place to find a dummy. Just exactly. most of us have better sense than taking it home. Yes, and she's like, I love my garbage dummy. His name is Slappy. <laughs> I don't have the internet, so I'm going to go to the library and get a book about ventriloquism and learn how to do ventriloquism. I'm instantly going to become very successful at ventriloquism, mm. and the neighbors are going to book me to perform with my cool dummy at their kid's birthday party for $20, which is a huge amount of $1993, frankly. Yeah, that is. I was impressed by that. She had a knack for it, too. Like, that's what the book seems to imply, is that she, like, was good at it right off the bat, which makes everything else that happens with those sisters and those parents even worse. Yes. So that's Lindy's, like, <laughs> vibing with Slappy, and then Chris <laughs> is, like... the worst sentence I've ever heard in my life. Like, <laughs> I take no responsibility for any of this. Uh, this uh, yeah, is, this vibing is your with fault? Slappy. <laughs> you chose those words. that's true though they're they're bonding um lindy's thriving and chris is like i want a dummy papa and the parents are like (laughs) we spend enough money on you dumb girls and your dumb hobbies why don't you just share the dummy and lindy's like no he's mine but then like she grudgingly lets chris use the dummy they like fight about the dummy there's a lot of this book that is just like bickering 
Yeah, like a ton of it. It's like 25% bickering, 25% dummy. It's never softened. Like, they never, like, they're just constantly at each other's throat. And they're they're like, well, there's something about you I value. That conversation never happens. No. No. Absolutely not. Also, I mean, I blame a lot of it on their parents who, in, like, one of the worst – I mean, not worse, because obviously, like, there are definitely books wherein the parents of the protagonists are abusive and stuff like that. But, like, on a, like, we're okay with this and we're not even flagging this as a problem level. When they're bickering over the dummy at one point, the dad is like, stop being so dumb and, like, go up mm-hmm. to your rooms. And then the mom is like, yeah, you're acting so babyish. Yeah. <laughs> like, are your parents nine? Like, I don't get this. It's like you have this like immediate visual of them like in like just super 90s tuned out parents with big hair and dumb pants. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It was like shocking like to call your children dumb and then to call them babyish and and you wonder why there's like no conflict resolution in this family that's at all successful. Yeah. It's it's not cool. It's a real tragedy, this Goosebumps book. It actually brought a tear to my eye. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I I do think R.L. Stein, I give him credit for sort of like capturing the like unfairness of childhood because like they're trying to tell their parents this like serious stuff about the curse of dummies and the parents are just like, <laughs> what? Like, stop lying. What's wrong with you girls? I'm, I'm Can we so go tired back to of being- bed. <laughs> yeah. That's the best part. They were, they, they, I love that. Like in the middle of the night, the dummy is doing stuff and they're just like, we're tired. Please stop. Yeah. Not, we're going to help you. Not, you're having some kind of episode or like some mutual hallucination. Like it's after midnight. This is not the time to, to talk. There is one point later on when I think the mom is like, oh, maybe, we, uh, you know, maybe we should take you to a doctor, but then doesn't follow through on that. No, and like I, maybe you should. I don't know. Like this house is—it's just a bad house, bad vibes. That's why you vibe with a dummy when you live in a house like this. Yeah, you know, and this isn't explicitly brought up. I wonder if it's the bad vibes from like how long was the dummy in? Because they're building a new house next door, and so they're like digging up. Was the implication that like Slappy was dug up from that, or like why was he in the dumpster there? Like, have these bad dummy vibes been infecting their house for years? <laughs> we thought. <laughs> Sorry, I just like imagining you living in a house and you're just not digging it, and then it's like, oh, it was because there was a dummy in the house all along. <laughs> just like this random discovery, like. In the show, I think she bought it in a was maybe it was a dumpster dummy. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I'm just completely enthralled with the idea of like you know, there's always something like buried under the basement, and it's a dummy, and that explains everything. It could. I don't know. Uh, do you have problems in your life? Check for a dummy. You don't know. It mm. might help. God, this is probably like 99% of my problems. <laughs> This is going to be like the self-help book that I publish. It's like, if there's a problem in your life, look for a dummy. And if you can't find a dummy, maybe the dummy is you. <laughs> Can I blurb it? I want to blurb it. Oh, my God, please. Okay. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the, the, the dumb girls are fighting about the dumb dummy. 
<laughs> and their dumb dad is like, okay, Chris, I bought you this other dummy that was really cheap at a pawn shop I happened to walk by. Here you go. And Chris is like, sweet, I love this terrible dummy. His name is Mr. Wood. And while Lindy is like doing, like crushing it at the birthday party, I guess Chris goes to the store and sees her music teacher and the music teacher is like, oh, you got a dummy? Why don't you be the MC for the upcoming school music concert? <laughs> like, that was so, it was, I, I cannot know, wait, we talked about how they didn't have the same haircut or anything. Would have made so much more sense if she thought that was a talented twin. Because by then she's got a <laughs> reputation. She's like, oh, you have a dummy? I don't know anything about your qualifications. Get on stage for us. I yeah. know, because because also like when Chris came home and said this, I kind of thought the reveal would be that she was lying because she was jealous. <laughs> but apparently not. Also, I can't believe you left out that one of the things that she did with the dummy that um Lindy did with the dummy at the birthday party that all the kids loved was a rap routine. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> we we blacked that out. That was like <laughs> I totally I just read over that and my brain refused to accept it. <laughs> Yeah, did a did a cool '90s rap. Kids loved it. Oh, maybe it was the Babysitters Club. You know, like the brain, the brain, the center of the chain. Maybe it was like <laughs> educational. It, well, it would have been if the Powells had hired a good babysitter for these That's kids. That's true. Do you remember that rap? I've never forgotten it. I actually don't, but I love. No, in do. the movie, the Babysitters Club movie, and they they need Claudia to pass the test, so they like get up and do like the brain, the brain, the yes, center yes, of the yes, chain. Yes, they, yeah, I Thank do remember you. that. Thank you. Jeepers. <laughs> Referencing in the dark. They're all alone. I'm so sorry. The The movie wasn't big in my household. It was more the books. I used to call Kmart every day for like three months asking them if they had it in stock because they didn't understand how release date worked in oh. that time of my life. I was like nine or I don't wait. How old was you think at one point they would have been like, according to the whatever inventory, we're not getting it in until whenever, but they let me call them every single day. Oh. Say, Do you have the babysitter's love movie? Cute. Uh, yeah. That's so cute. Obsessed. Anyway, back to the babysitter's club. I mean, goosebumps. Yeah. Um, so as <laughs> as Chris is like practicing with Mr. Wood, her other dummy <laughs> weird things are happening like he'll disappear from like the chair where she puts him at night and like end up somewhere else or like she'll lock him in the closet and then when she wakes up he won't be in the closet he'll be sitting on the chair with slappy one morning she's supposed to dress up really nice for school because it's their student teacher's last day so they decided they'd get really dressed fancy and when she wakes up someone has dressed the dummy in her fancy clothes and every time lindy's like I don't know. I don't, I didn't do it. I, I was asleep the whole time. I wasn't here. It wasn't me. And two things I want to say here. One is that I think the only name brand dropped in this is that Chris has a Betsy Johnson skirt. And that I was obsessed with that. Because A, there, there weren't any other brands named. And B, like, that's, that's kind of expensive. Like, why is this like sort of working class mad? They couldn't afford a dummy that was brand new, right? That was the big thing. The other one couldn't have one because do you think we like, maybe do you think scholastic, like scholastic ex Betsy Donchin, um, you know, (laughs) collab, we discover something. Or it was just like the only brand of girls clothes that RL Stein could think of. I don't know, but I was obsessed with that. 
I was going to ask a terrible question. It was going to be, did R.L. Stein write this one? According to R.L. Stein, and I don't know <laughs> how true this is. We debated this the last time we did a goosebump on the show. According to him, for the original run of like 65 Goosebumps or whatever, he did not use, and the original run of Fear Street, he did not use a ghostwriter. He yeah. wrote all of them himself. Um, the minute I could get away with a ghostwriter, I'd be like, bye. Like, Have fun. <laughs> and that is that he has said that in multiple interviews that we found we were digging into this the last time we did a Goosebump. So didn't Anna Martin only do like the first four or the first 20 or something like that of Babysitter's Club? Something like that. And then she, I know that she though had like a hand in plotting out, like she yeah, read the she outlines. Did. Well, I mean, why, why would he lie about something like that? Yeah. He could have just said, I invented Goosebumps and I did one book and look what happened. And we yeah. would that, so. He was like, there was a ghostwriter. It was me. I've been a ghost the whole time. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. <laughs> well, at least we know he knew about Betsy Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing was because I knew from pop culture that this book was about a scary dummy that comes to life. I was like, oh, it's happening. Like, here he is, just as foretold. <laughs> but twist, it wasn't. Lindy was just being, a, like, a, a mean girl and and doing pranks, even though she explicitly said that she wasn't. And one of the pranks is, like, hardcore. Like, one night after she locks the dummy, after Chris locks <laughs> the dummy in the closet and goes to sleep, she wakes up to get a glass of water and goes downstairs and, like, the the quote unquote the dummy has emptied the refrigerator of all the food and made like a huge mess all over the kitchen like spoiled all of the food that was in the refrigerator and like that's the point where afterwards where lindy's like teehee it was me the whole time and it, that is just like that goes beyond bullying that's like yeah that's Something's psychotic wrong, but my sister the serial killer yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a better book than this one. <laughs> Truly, I have read. <laughs> I love that one. That was so good. We're I talking know. a lot about every book, but Goose- <laughs> I know, and I'm surprised because I really thought you two would want to talk about Goosebumps, but we're all, I think, just <laughs> it was fine. I don't know. It's it such kind of- a cultural touchstone that it, you know, it has it extends outward into everything. Or you know, we just have a lot to say about a lot of things. Yeah, and Goosebumps is facilitating that. That's what a good book does. Arl Stein is a master. <laughs> He's building uh, bridges. Yes. So, so Lindy confesses that she's the one who's been doing all the dummy stuff the whole time, um, and she also at this point has been asked to be on Talent Search on TV with Slappy <laughs> to do her routine. So, like in like two weeks, this girl went from finding a dummy into a dumpster to being talent scouted for ventriloquism. <laughs> Not to be like America, but as Canadian America. That is so American. (laughs) You're not wrong. Um, But hang on. I do have a serious question. In the greater slappy lore, is there an implication that like his dark magics like make you better at ventriloquism? Like does he have like a dark charisma that is increasing her appeal or is she just like a really good ventriloquist? I think she's genuinely talented because I don't remember like slappy, you know, like those magic words and whatnot just bringing talent from you just made him alive and ready to kill. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, and he hasn't even been activated yet. Yeah, I was no. trying to Yeah. Yeah, well. because uh as you know, Chris, even after finding out after her sister confesses, Chris still has the spring concert that she's going to MC with the dummy. Uh, and while she's practicing for that, she looks in his pocket and notices for the first time a little yellowed piece of paper, which she opens up and then reads out loud, which you never do when you find a mysterious written piece of paper. What that reminded me of, like movie wise, Evil Dead. Yes. Touch the vibe. And you you never, you never read out loud. You read that shit in your head if you have to. Yeah. Don't even mouth it. Bad news. Bad news. Bad. But she does read it. And then she sees the doll wink at her, or so she thinks. And while she's practicing, their old people, neighbors from next door, come over and insist that the girls perform their ventriloquist acts for them. And by the way, I just want to say this I liked. Like, I think there's some really good and, like, realistic touches in here when the girls are like, uh, like, the like, it's so boring when the old neighbors come over and, like, I don't really understand why old people, like, always just want to, like, have the same boring conversation, <laughs> you know? And I just, like, remember, sorry to old people, which I am one now, but, like, you know, don't like, that was, that. Su- <laughs> that, that was such I'm a young. vibe. Yeah, okay, fair. Um, age is a age is a construct. Times a flat circle. Exactly. But when you were when you were a kid and like you had to come and talk to like boring old people in your house and like you couldn't leave and go to your room, like nightmare. That's that's the true yeah. goosebump. True, I agree with that too. Not Mallory, but that. <laughs> and uh, as they are performing, Lindy and Slappy do an act. They're like, "Oh, you're so funny. You're so great." <laughs> And then it's Chris's turn and Mr. Wood starts talking and saying like terrible, mean, insulting things to the old couple. It's very ageist. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mr. Wood hates old people more than the it's kids true. do. <laughs> and she, her parents are mad at her and everyone's mad. And she's like, but it wasn't me. It was Mr. Wood. And they're like, oh, like all this dummy talk. Stop trying to use the dummy to take the blame for terrible horrible things that you've said you know even if creepy things weren't happening like this is obviously an escalation of behavior that is a huge cry for help and these parents <laughs> just don't care they're like wow it's brought us to this point go to your room you know like they don't care <sighs> yeah so the next day it is the, or- by the way, this to me was the, the actual worst part of the book because, okay, so it's the day of the music concert that Chris is emceeing and she still gets to do it for some reason. And the dummy is mean again. And then, and the teacher is like, oh, get off the stage. Like, you're, you know, you're in trouble. And then the dummy, like, pukes in endless stream of green sludge that smells terrible. Mm-hmm. And they think it's her. It is forever it goes on forever it covers like the entire audience and they're just like what did you do little girl like to to, to me it sounded like more slime than would fit in the size of a dummy you know right like a, an impossible amount of slime <laughs> it like it was bad this i so- hated because i don't like to be scared but i hate to be grossed out 
hate yeah. it. And this was like so gross. I don't like puke stuff. I mean, who would like puke stuff? But I, I, I also, I think maybe that was in the, somebody got puked on in the TV show, I think. I hate that stuff. I hate it. And, and to me, again, this is exactly what the those covers were telling me. They were like, don't come in here. There's green slime. And I was like, oh, no, here it is. I hate it. We could have spared you if we had remembered the book, but we didn't remember the book at all, apparently. So. It's very true. I also hate puke stuff. I am fine with, like, murder stuff. And like hard movie stuff, but the second it veers into puke stuff territory, I am done. Yep, same. No, I just I hate that feeling. Ugh. Yeah, so uh, that happens, and no one believes her when she's like, "It's the dummy. The dummy is evil. The dummy's the one doing it." And of course, until. It wakes up at one point in the middle of the night and attacks both Chris and Lindy. Then it is like irrefutably alive. Possessed. Yes. It's evil. Also, I just want to say like, the, you're a dummy. You have been given like consciousness. You can move through the world freely. You really want to spend your days with these two losers? I don't get it. Like you can open a door and leave that house. But you're like, no, I'm going to hang here. What? <laughs> Yeah, I had some, and, like, I understand that, like, it's because this is a children's book, but I did have some questions about, like, what his ultimate game plan was, <laughs> because he he problematically declares that the girls are his slaves now. Yeah. And right. he's like, you have to do whatever I say, like, you're my slaves. But then when the dad comes downstairs, he, like, flops down and goes back to being a dummy, and he's like, uh, you dumb girls, like, go back to bed. You're the worst children, and I, they hate you. Such a great dad. That's a paraphrase, but not by much. That's true. And then the dummy's like, you have to do what I say or like you'll get in trouble. And it's like, well, I don't – wouldn't it be better for you to make a grown man your slave? Like he can drive a car. See, he, like in the he, in the show, I think like – I don't know if that was a threat in it, but I feel like he just had an insatiable need to kill, which I can understand. <laughs> like if you're a dummy <laughs> and you're evil, you want to kill some things, like fine, I can get behind that. But, like, really, like, you won't just leave this house with these useless teenage girls who can't stop fighting. Like, I don't know. I I just have greater ambitions than a ventriloquist dummy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you've you've already read my self-help book, and you're not the yes. dummy. I'm ready for the next stage. <laughs> and then he's like, also, also, they have a dog named Barky. And uh, Mr. That Wood is like. That got kind of intense. Yeah, he's like, okay, well, I'll kill your dog if you don't do what I say. <laughs> yeah. But, like, what does he even want? I don't know, but he's cho- tried to choke that dog to death. I was like, this yeah. is hardcore for a goosebumps. So, like, the puke stuff was bad, but I was like, how did Arnold Stein get away with it? I, a dog died in my first book, and I'm still hearing about it, but Arnold Stein, like, choke a dog. I mean, I know it lived, but still. Yeah. And that's what women are up against in publishing, the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i didn't like it uh i didn't like any i just found that really shocking i was just like of all the things that have happened in this book that that's my line arlstein but then chris remembers the cursed sentence that she read out of his pocket (laughs) and she's like okay i'll read that again you'll go back to sleep and mr wood is like lol that only wakes me up it doesn't put me back to sleep (laughs) And then they're like, okay, well, we'll bury you next door in the convenient construction site. They tried so hard. 
I've got to give them props. They really, like, they really did try to problem solve. And, like, they were yeah. coming up with solutions that would have escaped me if a dummy was trying to murder me. Huh? Yeah, that's true. And they, they like, <laughs> put him in a suitcase and they lock the suitcase and they bury the suitcase. And they even are, like, wait, are our parents going to notice that the suitcase is missing? And they're, like, no, we don't have any trips coming up. Like, don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> let's just get the dummy out. Like, yeah, they're. He was so easily overpowered every time by these two little girls. Also, Mr. Wood, like the only time he really got the drop on them was when he like t- like bit them. Did you notice that? Like he's not like there was less and less to be afraid of him the more evil he tried to be. Yeah. It's a shame, he, really. Yeah. I mean, like I guess he's like bigger than the dog and that's like all he has going for him in terms of fear. <laughs> yeah. And just the biting. It was every time that he got like a little bit ahead of them, it was because he like not on them with his wooden teeth. Yeah. But so they buried him in the ground in the suitcase. But then he came back and he got in the kitchen. He was like covered in mud. And the parents like come in and see this. And they're like, girls, like, why did you get your dummy all muddy? That <laughs> cost us money. Do you want more Betsy Johnson clothes? Because we can't afford them if you keep doing this. And then, so here, so they're building a house next door, and for some reason, this process involves two steamrollers. Like, Don't question it. Let the it men seems, have their fun. It seems excessive. <laughs> but anyway, there's you, two. You, that sounds like someone who's never driven a steamroller before. I just have mm. to say, you've been on one. You wouldn't say it was excessive. You'd say that was exactly the right amount. That's, have you been in a steamroller? No. <laughs> <laughs> Have your I, imagination for it. No. <laughs> I keep thinking of the Mitch Hedberg bit where he's like, I was writing a letter to my dad and I accidentally wrote rarely instead of really. So then I had to say, Dad, I rarely drive steamboats. There's a lot of <laughs> shit you don't know about. <laughs> anyway, I I rarely drive steamrollers, and by rarely I mean never. <laughs> <laughs> anyway there's two of them and they have this whole like chase scene where like the dog almost gets hit by a steamroller and then he doesn't and then they throw mr wood under the steamroller and he gets rolled over and like traumatizes the steamroller driver who like comes down is like oh my god did i just like run over a child (laughs) and they're like no like only a cursed dummy no worries and he's like oh my god i thought i hit a kid and they're like no also, the first time they've the other times they've tried to kill him, Mr. Wood has said multiple times, like, you can't kill me. I have powers. And then he doesn't define what the powers are. And then he gets squished and then it releases a cloud of like bad smelling green gas, which again, gross. Yeah. Don't care for. <laughs> and then um, and then he's dead, I guess. Like, I don't know. To me, this was almost a little unsatisfying because it did seem like there should be some sort of magical death. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it was kind of amazing, like, this green cloud of, like, sentient evilness didn't, like, try to possess one of the girls. Like, you think you'd have a better time in life by, like, I don't know, finding a human vessel instead of a doll? Yes, and then there could be literally an evil twin. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Where are you, Arlstein? We have notes. <laughs> yeah, he's on Twitter. I'll tweet him. <laughs> so, anyway, they're they're like, oh, thank God, that's done. And then they go back home and then Slappy, like, omens his eyes in their bedroom and, and like, calls them slaves again. Because now he's alive. And it literally ends. Yes. 
And then I guess the second book is the one that Kate and I thought we were reading. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And R.L. Stein is definitely, he is, he's got that James Patterson-esque, every chapter ends on a cliffhanger. Uh, yep. And then frequently it's like, you know, and an arm grabbed her and she gasped. And then it's the like, first yes. line of the next one is like, it was her sister. <laughs> it's always yeah. like the cat jumping out of the closet moment in a horror movie. Every yes. chapter, you're right. It is. It's like, okay, I'm getting used to this by now. I don't think that I've really, like, if I had to compare it to Babysitter's Beware, those cliffhangers were better. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And they were paced a little bit. I was actually kind of surprised. I shouldn't even be saying this, but I... It was. I found it like a little slowly paced, maybe because of all the bickering. But I was like, "This is really like I. I don't know. I was. I was so expecting Slappy to show up at any moment. I just kept thinking that was ahead of me, and it never was. So it made the book feel, I think, longer than I was expecting for a goosebump. Yeah, I had a similar like because I remember in the recent past having read. I took out like a bunch. Like there was a summer. Oh, it was last summer because it was because of the the books that we covered, including the one we read with you. I noticed that the Boston Public Library had like all of the Babysitter Club mysteries as ebooks. So I just oh took God. like 20 of them out and read them over the course of the summer. And a few years ago, I did a similar thing with Goosebumps. I was like, oh, like all these are, are available on Overdrive. I'll just read a bunch of them. Because I could do it in like, you know, half an hour or whatever. And this one did. And I think it was because of the bickering and because like the actual evil thing doesn't come in until like three quarters of the way through the book. Right. That I was just like, really? Like we have another chapter of like the sisters <laughs> being mean to each other? Okay. And then on the flip side, when you think about it, like in terms of being nine years old and reading this for the first time, that the whole, like the whole setup is that it's, ha ha, it's the sister until it's not the sister. That probably would have felt like, because I don't think I, I think I read Night of the Living Dummy a little later in life, not like at nine, but like maybe when I was like a more jaded 12 year old. <laughs> so worldly. I, I think that that's kind of, I, I do think that you're onto something there when we were talking at the beginning. It's like he introduces a lot of like horror motifs and literary motifs, like just some really classic stuff that you, you're going to find first in a Goosebumps book. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah, even if this one was kind of uneven because, again, I thought it was the second Night of the Living Dummy. It really was hard to read. Like, I I didn't know what I was reading and thinking I was reading something else. So it was such a bizarre reading experience. Like, where's Slappy? Who is Mr. Wood? Why is this still going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't know if this has been, like, renumbered or and, like, reissued, but is this the very first Goosebump? No. no. Um, and it never was. It was... It's an earlier one, but it wasn't. Number one is Welcome to the Dead House. Mm. Yeah. Number one is, do you do you remember in my house that print that I had hanging on the wall of a little girl standing in the shadows on the staircase? No. Okay. <laughs> Never mind that. <laughs> but yes, that um, is an illustration of Welcome to the Dead House, which is the first one. Okay. But this has been reissued as Classic Goosebumps number one. So... They they really have taken the the made the choice to be like okay like this is We're our a guy. slappy franchise yeah yeah well he is like he's like good when he's got his moment which he didn't have in this book yeah gosh let's imagine a goosebumps that was just Mr Wood the dummy that scared everybody <laughs> <laughs> not the same oh god welcome yeah I'm looking at the cover of Welcome to the Dead House just to jog my memory oh yeah I remember that one 
God, those classes, you know, if you look like up Goosebumps, Welcome to the Dead House, and you can just see the progression of the reissues, and the originals are perfect. Like, they did not need to touch these, and yet, they did. Tragic. It is. It's like when the Babysitter's Club covers change to real people. Who asked for that? Nobody asked for that. <laughs> no, it's nonsense. It is. Thank you. We're back to the Babysitter's Club again. <laughs> yeah. Let's return to the Goosebump in order to begin our dramatic readings. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read a little bit of the initial reveal that it's actually Lindy who has been doing the dummy stuff, which happens at literally 50% of the book. So it's not until another chunk of the book later that actual evil dummies (laughs) enter the picture. Something horrible is going on here, Lindy. Chris stammered through her tears. And I know what's doing it, Lindy whispered, leaning over her twin, putting a comforting hand on her quivering shoulder. Huh? Yes, I know who's been doing it all, Lindy whispered. I know who it is. Who? Chris asked breathlessly. End of chapter. New chapter. Who? Chris repeated, letting the tears run down her cheeks. Who? I have, Lindy said. Her smile spread into a grin almost as wide as Slappy's. She closed her eyes and laughed. Huh? Chris didn't understand. What did you say? I said, I've been doing it, Lindy repeated. Me, Lindy. It was all a joke, Chris. I gotcha again. She nodded as if confirming her words. Chris gaped at her twin in disbelief. It was all a joke? Lindy kept nodding. You moved Mr. Wood during the night. You dressed him in my clothes and made him say those gross things to me. You put him in the kitchen. You made that horrible mess. Lindy chuckled. Yeah, I really scared you, didn't I? Chris balled her hands up into angry fists. But, but, she sputtered. Why? For fun, Lindy replied, dropping back into her bed, still grinning. Fun? I wanted to see if I could scare you, Lindy explained. It was just a joke. You know, I can't believe you fell for the voice in the closet just now. I must really be a good ventriloquist. But Lindy, you really believed Mr. Wood was alive or something? Lindy said, laughing, enjoying her victory. You're such a nit. Nit? Half a nitwit. Lindy burst into wild laughter. It isn't funny, Chris said softly. I know, Lindy replied. It's a riot. You should have seen the look on your face when you saw Mr. Wood downstairs in your precious beads and earrings. Like, this girl's a sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. If you, like, took that out of context, that would be the setup for, like, so many horror movies where, like, the protagonist is being gaslit by people that want to kill her for money or something. Yeah. It's like... This 11-year-old was like, yeah, like, this is what I'm going to do, and it's going to be great, and I'm definitely normal and not, like, a budding psychopath. As established, I was calling Walmart every day, or Kmart every day. That was all I had the mental capacity to do. I could not be making up (laughs) these elaborate dummy hoaxes. Like, that's, we need to, like, what? I'm I'm saying, Courtney, five years from now, these girls are in one of your books. That is the road that they are headed down. But then I have to find some like way in to make people relate to and empathize with them. And I don't, I just think this might be the line I can't cross. When I was a child, I had a dummy and I'm traumatized. If you have enough flashbacks to their te- the terrible parenting they received, I feel oh, like. Oh, that's can... true. Yeah, I could do a lot with that, I think. Maybe. I don't know. The dummy is still a significant hurdle. If that's the moment you stop taking all the trauma seriously, like 
Do you think uh, I, I gotta ask a question though? Like, if this was like being written today, would like the dummy conceit hold up? I, I guess maybe because we have like Annabelle and stuff like that. But would it? Like, would we need a different cursed object? But what else could it be? I feel like in the nineties, it's not like dummies were cool either. That's true. <laughs> I feel like it was still sort of like a weird retro thing she was doing. Yeah, but even more so now. Like, would there be anything equivalent that would be scary? A Furby? Ah! <laughs> Furbies are pretty scary oh, oh, on oh, their oh, own. Oh, 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 Look, are you all by a computer right now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's how look. we're doing the podcast. Right? Well, I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay, look. <laughs> Leave me alone, okay? <laughs> look up. Then you deserve what I'm about to make you look up. Oh, no. Are you Are you going to tell me about Long Furby? Because I know about Long Furby. Ah, yes! <laughs> I know about Long Furby. Look at the master doc now. Is there a long Furby in it? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that one. That one looks like Panger. <sighs> which is an internet cat who's my friend. <laughs> you have more than one cat friend? Does Duarte know? Um, sometimes Duarte hears me watching videos of other cats and he does get really upset. But <laughs> <laughs> My heart is broken for him. He's still my number one little guy, and he knows that, and we all know it. Okay. I accept that. Does he never gets like, these awesome face masks that you do, though? I've noticed you're holding out on that. I don't think those are tested on animals, and I don't think they should be. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But you could put little cucumbers on his eyes. Oh, my gosh. I think the thing is, Dorote is beautiful the way he is, and his skin I mean, is perfect. Yes. That's true. It's just like the meditative qualities of having cucumbers on your eyeballs. True. Anyway, <laughs> Courtney, you have to do a dramatic reading still. Besides <laughs> <I> stalling. <laughs> so to set the scene, Chris and Lindy have to go downstairs and entertain the elderly neighbors who are probably our age, as previously established. <laughs> okay. Chris took her place on the chair and sat Mr. Wood in her lap. This is Mr. Wood, she told the Millers. We're going to be the hosts of the spring concert at school tomorrow night, so I'll give you a preview of what we're going to say. That's a nice-looking dummy, Mrs. Miller said quietly. You're a nice-looking dummy, too. (laughs) Mr. Wood declared in a harsh, raspy growl of a voice. Chris's mother gasped. The Miller's smiles faded. Mr. Wood leaned forward on Chris's lap and stared at Mr. Miller. Is that a mustache, or are you eating a rat? (laughs) He asked nastily. Mr. Miller glanced uncomfortably at his wife, then forced a laugh. They both laughed. Don't laugh so hard. You might drop your false teeth. Mr. Wood shouted. And how do you get your teeth that disgusting shade of yellow? Does your bad breath do that? Chris, Mrs. Powell yelled. That's enough. The Miller's faces were bright red now, their expressions bewildered. That's not funny. Apologize to the Miller's, Mr. Powell insisted, crossing the room and standing over Chris. I I didn't say any of it, Chris stammered. Really, I... Chris, apologize, her father demanded angrily. Mr. Wood turned to the Miller's. I'm sorry. (laughs) He rasped. I'm sorry you're so ugly. I'm sorry you're so old and stupid, too. (laughs) The Miller's stared at each other unhappily. I don't get her humor, Mrs. Miller said. (laughs) (laughs) You fully embodied that. That was so impressive. (laughs) Thank you. I was empowered by Long Furby. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, okay. The last dramatic reading I'm going to do is something from the, actually the the back matter of the book called Fright Gallery, Slappy the Dummy, which is, is basically like a trading card or like, you know, a stats block for Slappy, which I think, you know, speaks to Slappy's legacy. Mm, yep. Okay. So Slappy the Dummy. First appearance, Night of the Living Dummy. Check. I just read that. Other appearances, Night of the Living Dummy 2 and 3, Goosebumps 2000, Bride of the Living Dummy, Goosebumps 2000, Slappy's Nightmare. Origins. In the late 1800s, an ancient sorcerer built two dummies from the wood of a stolen coffin. The wood was cursed. Very cursed. Many years later, one of the wicked dummies, Mr. Wood, was finally defeated. But it only made the other dummy twice as wicked and a thousand times ruder. (laughs) That other dummy was Slappy. Special powers... Some people believe that Slappy has the power to control people's minds and turn people into puppets. Weaknesses. Karu, Mari, Odana, Loma, Molunu, Karanu. Those six words have an eerie and often surprising effect on dummies. Living or dead? Both. Favorite phrase? Thanks for waking me up, slave. Hobbies and interests? daydreaming about what he'll do when he becomes supreme ruler of the human race and then it has a little it has splat stats for him and there are six categories and he's been rated from zero to ten splats (laughs) on all of these things and so slappy has a strength of ten splats intelligence of nine splats speed of six splats attack skills six splats humor 10 splats evil nine splats i would you know what he's wrong but anyway i know it just it doesn't add up with what i've seen yeah can we splat can we splat stat ourselves oh yeah that's a fun game (laughs) yeah absolutely okay so for strength i don't know i'm gonna give myself a strength of like two splats really but you live duarte right like sometimes you just like pick him up and move him from place to place. You ever do that? He can yourself. I, I, I do carry Duarte. All right, maybe That's a three spot. <laughs> maybe three spots then. Um, I'm gonna give myself also three spots because I'm not very strong, but I do have some like lesbian fix it powers, which I feel like give me strength when I need it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. True. I was going to say, like, I'm going to give myself, hmm. Well, like, you're a legit gym babe, Courtney. You're, like, legit. I do leg- work out. Yeah. I lift. I power lift. But, see, I would, like, so I would give myself, like, I don't know, like, eight or nine, like, mentally. But then i give myself less than that. So I never had, like, lift things for other people, like, publicly. Uh, oh, interesting. You know, yes. I also do – I have to think about this because if Slappy has six – I mean, I'm probably as strong as a dummy, but I think Slappy <laughs> has been overpowered here. Well, like, that's I th- the thing, right? Yeah. So I think I'm a three, but I think Slappy is secretly actually a two. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Okay. Wait. So Courtney, what's your what's your what's your oh, own okay. flat stat? Okay. So I'm gonna say like it's actually like an eight, but I'm gonna tell people it's like a six, so that I will always be a little bit of a damsel, and I never have to carry my own groceries. <laughs> Excellent. Good plan. Okay. Well, and that moves right into the next splat stat, which is intelligence. 
10 for me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, again, if Slappy is a nine, I do think I'm smarter than this dummy. So I got to be 10 also. Yeah. He's same. definitely padding it. Like, yeah. Really? Although, like, he got, I guess he got himself a wife, which I never read about. That's true. I don't he has have, to have a wife. something going for him to impress a woman. I don't think, but I don't think it's smart. I don't think it's humor either. I think it's mm-hmm. evilness. I don't Maybe like it's where the speed is headed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we, did we all say 10 for intelligence? Yes. Yeah. Ten, We're 10s, tens across, across the board. The board. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, speed. Once again, Slappy is six splats. He does have little tip a tap like feet. Yeah. I, you know, like watching me. Look, he gets. I, I believe this based on the adaptation where his little feet were like shadows under the door and they moved fast. Yeah. I still think I could outrun a dummy though. So I'm going to say I'm one more than Slappy. Okay. So that's seven. Yeah. Seven splats. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to say my max speed is probably like seven, but my general speed is like three. I don't <laughs> try to move that fast unless something is chasing me. But I do think if this dummy was chasing me, I could outrun it. I mean, just because longer legs, like way longer legs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, general yeah. speed. Yeah, same though. Yeah. Like I do like cardio at the gym, but I'm never it's never just for speed. It's just to like no. spend an hour on the elliptical so I can watch an episode of Chopped. Yeah, I don't I don't like doing like fast cardio bursts, so yeah. I yeah. We have to I, be faster than Slappy just by like like physics or whatever or anatomy, but yeah, <laughs> physics. Yeah. Yes. The sciences, you know. Yes. Look, we're not scientists, but we do have a, a speed rating of seven splats. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Attack skills. Slappy also has six splats. I, I got to say. Ten Sorry. splats for you. Wow. Yeah. I got to say I'm like, I don't know, two splats. I'm just not, I'm not really an attacker. What's your star sign? My cancer. Oh, I guess cancers aren't really attackers, are they? <laughs> no aren't they like gregarious and like fun and chill cancers are like the crybaby homebody sign i see okay then i, I, I am <laughs> i am gemini cancer cuss so if i have any fighting okay, but I gemini, from gemini yeah. yeah yeah i would say i would rate myself as even with slappy here i don't have like a lot of attack skills but i, I think do you think him up though exactly so i do think that like six I could overpower him between between being much bigger than him. Okay, but he's six. You like you are not equal to Slappy. You are above him. So maybe seven. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, if I'm thinking about an attack skill specifically versus Slappy, that's like if, if it's just a basic attack skills, I will say low splats. If Slappy attacked me, I would handle it just the way I handle it when Duarte gets sassy, which is I would spritz Slappy with a water bottle, and then <laughs> and then I would swoop in, I would pick Slappy up with both arms, and then I would set him outside the room, and I would say, "Go take a walk," and I would shut the door. And I would let him, like, walk off his aggression. And then later he could come <laughs> back into the room. I just pick him up by his collar and make fun of him. <laughs> These are both valid. You do, like, an old one-two with them. <laughs> uh, okay, so humor. Slappy has given himself ten splats, which I... That's a lie. 
That yeah, is his not jokes true. are not that good. All of our jokes are better than Sloppy's jokes. Yeah. We're if he's a ten, we're eleven, right? We're eleven yeah. exactly. Yeah, I can't believe he gave himself a ten. You're not that funny, Slappy. Not that funny. I can't believe he gave himself a ten in humor, but did not give himself a ten in evil. I know. I know. That's weird. That's like bad priorities. That's why he has never succeeded, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I would give that myself a-, a two in evil because I'm kind of a petty bitch sometimes. Mm. That deserves a five, at least. Pettiness? Oh. That's like, <laughs> that's, there's a range of petty, and you never know what part of it you're going to access until you're like in a moment. And depending who you're with, you have to give like the flexibility of that range. Two is just too mild. All right, I'll buy that. I'll go with five. I okay. I uh, I I can be quite petty. <laughs> okay, that's why I'm giving myself a ten. <laughs> I'm ten petty. Um, you're cool I'll- and fine, Renata. You were at least a five if I'm a five. Well, I was gonna say. I was exactly gonna say. I'm the same petty as Kate. But I want to deduct one evil splat due to being vegetarian. Okay. <laughs> I think if we're going by like good place rules, I think <laughs> I'll I'll accept that. I'll allow that. But but like vegetarians that- are and I say this as someone who's like mostly plant plant based, but not a vegetarian. Like that's a kind of evil. That's a kind of evil. And you get the smug pettiness of being a vegetarian. <laughs> so I don't think you can rate yourself less for that. You might have to rate yourself five more. What? I disagree. Yeah. Really? Have you never met or been a smug vegetarian? I think that the point that you lose from not eating meat is brought back by that like very thin veil of superiority that even if you are not purposely projecting, other people are secretly thinking. <sighs> That's true. But I can't control what other people think about me. I just feel sad about animals. That's not <laughs> okay, evil. Well, why are you resisting like a high score on the evil scale? Like, don't you just... want to get somewhere in life? Nothing good <laughs> happens to good people. You know what? That's so fair. Okay, I'll I'll take my five. We'll work on this. I do also sometimes throw things in the trash if there's not a recycling bin around. Oh See, you're God. already. You disgust me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh wait, so Courtney, what? Where? What's your evil splat stat? Oh, it's Sorry. like ten or 11, 15, 25. <laughs> <laughs> All of our listeners who are Mallory fans agree. <laughs> you know what? Mallory is. Don't get me started. She deserves everything that happens to her. She's just. Did you ever read that? Sorry, we're talking about the Babysitters Club again. Did you ever read, like, when she went to New York and she went to art class with Claudia, and the teacher was like, Mallory, you're so great. You are so good. Claudia, do better. Mallory, this is exceptional. Claudia, God, could you just be any worse at this? And then at the end of the whole thing, he's like, Claudia, I was pushing you because you actually have talent. Mallory has nowhere to go. <laughs> so I'm just telling her that she's good. And then she went to Hollywood or not Hollywood, California. Wait, yes, Hollywood. And she couldn't even be an extra in a movie because she dyed her hair blonde. And the director was <laughs> like, 
Uh, do you, there's no, this is not cinema. Your face is not, like, he was so mean to her. Oh, she's just born to lose. I can't stand it. She's not even trying. If she was a little more evil, maybe I could respect it. <laughs> I would have gone, I would have marched across that set every day with my ugly bad die job. I've been like, it's my movie now. But she just conceded. Anyway. <laughs> Can't respect it. Don't respect it. Uh, okay. Let's move to Reader's Advisory and suggest <laughs> some books to read instead of or in addition to this goosebump. Obviously, any Babysitter's Club book. Yes. I'll say including the Mallory ones. Personally. No. <laughs> wait yeah like hello Mallory where everyone's like we don't want her in the club and they make her draw like the human anatomy or whatever like the inside the digestive track right yeah yeah nobody liked her see oh my god this is so many splats against Mallory <laughs> she oh if I had to rate her on the splat scale <laughs> oh I won't do it because I will let her have some shred of dignity <laughs> um I, I did make a list of Goosebumps books I thought were better than this Goosebumps book. <laughs> and they are as follows. Welcome to the Dead House, which is the first Goosebump. Uh, the Haunted Mask, which that was another series. Yeah, that was a series one. And it was very freaky. That one creeped me out as a kid. Also, The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. Very creepy. Uh, yeah. Ghost Beach, which I referred to before, <laughs> which has the, the, the narrator was a ghost the whole time twist that blew my mind. As like a nine-year-old or whatever. I can't. And horror camp jelly jam. All solid picks. That sentence, like horror at camp jelly jam. None of those words seem right. <laughs> <laughs> like jelly jam. Would you send to your kids like this? Would you be counselors at camp jelly jam? Actually, it's a better question for you both. I have questions about camp jelly jam. Is it a baking camp? <laughs> I don't believe so. Wow. It's just like a- uh, it's just like a camp camp. I mean, I'll be honest, like I'm pretty susceptible to peer pressure. So if Renato is like, hey, I'm going to be a counselor at Camp Jelly Jam this summer and you don't have anything <laughs> to do, you should come with me. I probably would say yes. I mean, th- the camp where I did persuade Kate to work at was called Camp Tapawingo, which I think is like an appropriated native word from a tribe that like is not local to that area. So in some ways, I feel like that is arguably worse than Jelly Jam. <laughs> and I... And I think a lot of camps do that. Like, a lot of camps have, like, Native yeah. American names that are not appropriate for that camp. So, yeah, I guess I guess I would work at Camp Jelly Jam. I'm just reading the uh, synopsis, and you would not work at Camp Jelly Jam. <laughs> I'm revising your opinion. It's uh, There's a giant jelly jam monster on the cover. Everyone's interested in the hideous, slimy discovery lurking in the darkness. Okay, this is but, like everything that you'd hate. Slime. Well, yeah, but like when you fill out your job application, do they advertise that? Well, Jelly Jam seems like it's hinting in that direction, right? They say it it's a sports me- camp, actually. If you were going to be a counselor at a sports camp called Camp Jelly oh. Jam, wouldn't you have more questions than... Yeah, no, I'm out when it's sports camp. That's what gets yeah. me out. Swimming, basketball, and archery. <laughs> yeah. The siblings see that the camp's logo is a purple blob monster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this sounds like a bad camp. But, but you, by name alone, that doesn't rule it out. But there are details that would stop me before accepting the job. I see that. Yeah. Now. Like the slime monster. Yeah. <laughs> 
Did you ever see the uh, Ghost Rider episode, Attack of the Slime Monster? No. I'm sure I probably did, but I do not remember. It was made of bubble gum. <laughs> I'm on the I'm scrolling through this jelly jam wiki. I don't know why. We're in the middle of podcasts, but it's fine. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all the counselors are hypnotized and pushing the kids in sports because only the best are chosen to be King Jelly Jam's slaves. How many Goosebumps books are about enslaving oh children? What's A happening? Lot. All of them. Not the, ideal. No. Ew, this this is gross. I'm closing this. <laughs> okay. Okay, back to back to listing other gross books for people to read, I guess. Okay, well that was that was my list of goosebumps. <laughs> oh my gosh, have you seen the sorry <laughs> I just looking up Camp Jelly Jam uh, I forgot that was the original cover. Look it up. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening at you Camp I- Jelly Jam? I don't wanna know. Well, uh, children are being enslaved by King Jelly Jam. Uh, I think instead of any of those, I think you should read a Courtney Summers book. All the Courtney <laughs> Summers books. Is, um, they all have talking dummies in them. <laughs> That's the Easter egg, and you have to like really look for it. But if you know what you're looking for. It's the bad men. It's a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah, I'm not just saying this because Courtney is on the podcast because they say it all the time. I love Courtney's books, even when sometimes they're too scary for me. I love to hear it because I respect your opinion in general. So to have earned your good favor is my favorite thing in the world. Courtney's next book coming out is is I'm the Girl. It comes out in the fall, but I got to read an advanced copy because I'm so cool. And it's it's a fantastic book. If you like scary things, you like it, even if you don't. If you like to um, contemplate the patriarchy. <laughs> All the good stuff. Yeah. Bad mm-hmm. Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, mm-hmm. Horrible. I don't think we can even tie this into Goosebumps. Just like Goosebumps is what you run to after you read a Courtney Summers book. <laughs> you need a palate <laughs> yeah. cleanser because you feel so bad at the end of the day. But if you want to contemplate. All the ways in which the patriarchy screws us over every day in ways big and small. I'm the girl. I feel like you could make a like a Venn diagram of like like there's Camp Jelly Jam and then there's oh god what's the sparrow <laughs> yes <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yes and they're both like bad places where you can do sports <laughs> <laughs> but there are some differences <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I. Oh, my son. I give it a splat rating of 10. <laughs> I just I have to applaud that. That was you made it work. I don't think <laughs> I'm <Thank> horrified. You. <laughs> <sighs> it is I, the master of horror. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. We'll have these books and some other ones maybe probably up on our website, worstbestsellers.com. And for now, we will move on to The Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if you're in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if you're in this book. And Courtney can choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. So if Dwayne The Rock Johnson was in this book, he would be working on the construction site across the street from the girl's house. And he would find Slappy the dummy when they were digging up the foundation to pour, digging up the hole to pour the new foundation in for the house and immediately recognizing that a dummy like that is probably (laughs) fucking evil as shit 
would set it on fire and tear it to pieces and not just leave it in a dumpster for unsuspecting children to find. (laughs) Additionally, while he was working on the site across the street from Chris and Lindy's house, he would hear Chris and Lindy and they're bickering and they're arguing with each other and would step in and have like a talk with them about how it's important to uh, not be a total fucking lunatic to your sister uh how you know they don't have to spend all their time together they should feel free to pursue separate interests and they each have things about them that are special so there's no need to be insanely jealous anytime the other one has a single success in life which will hopefully uh, a keep the dummy nonsense out of the book and b maybe help start to repair the relationship between lindy and chris uh (laughs) After years of being neglected by their parents who call them terrible names and probably made them this way. Wow. That was a family movie. You took the goosebump out of goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) I'd watch it, to be clear. (laughs) I'm going to go even farther back and fully excise the goosebumps from goosebumps because now that I've learned that Mr. Wood and Sloppy originated in the 1800s, so did Wolverine. And so Wolverine is going to be back there when it started. And he is he is going to be like, no, this is bad. I can I can tell that this is going to cause problems for decades to come. So I'm just going to like slash them up with my claws and then light them on fire with my cigar. And I'm going to vanquish these dummies now in the 19th century. And then they will never cause any problems ever again. And this book never happens. My gosh, you know, you can't. <laughs> no, look, I I know that this is not going to be the answer that you pick, but that's the experience that I crave. I I think it's val. I think you're both valid, first of all, and yet neither of you are right. <laughs> <laughs> and I really, I do feel that Slappy needs to have his day because he's holding up a franchise. He really is. And- yeah, and we've got we can't take that away from Marl's sign. Even if a Wolverine spin-off and a rock spin-off would give us an incredible amount of joy and take us to places that we never knew we wanted to go, we have to have his day for Arlstein. <laughs> you that's know, that's what alternate universes are for. You know, somewhere <laughs> exactly. in the multiverse we've had this. <laughs> yes. And we will <laughs> please God. It's both of it. Is, it's spectacular. It is like again valid but incorrect. I can't wait to watch a Legends episode about this. Oh my gosh! Yes, uh, we can't because Legends is canceled because we are in the darkest timeline. Nothing good happens anymore, does it? Speaking of which, it would be time for candy pairing, but it's canceled because of all the puke. It's too gross. I can't think about food. So, what do you guys think the moral of the story is? I would say the moral of the story is don't take dummies out of the trash. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's. I think that's the takeaway. That absolutely has to be the takeaway. Other, I don't even think I, you well, need to love your sister. Like That's not even the takeaway. It starts with the dummy in the trash. Don't do it. I mean, that's a good takeaway. I think a takeaway for the parents is that you should hire one of the friendly, reliable sitters from the babysitter's club to look out for your kids and like – yeah, correct their failings before it gets to this point. It's Just, not Just not Mallory. Just not Mallory. I think Mallory could do it. I believe in her. Mm. Oh, God. Um, we cannot end on that note. Please. Don't, 
Don't worry, we're not ending on this note. We're moving to Dorothy's corner, where my cat Dorothy gets to share his opinions. Yeah, Dorothy, I you're right. The part with the dog was the worst part, and mm-hmm. and normally, of course, you and I are both always advocating for more cats, more cats, more cats in fiction. But in this case, I do think it's it's fine that there wasn't a cat because. You know, I know that you're very brave and very strong, and I'm sure that you could beat Slappy in a fight or Mr. Wood or both. <laughs> but I just I don't think a cat should have to be in that position. I don't know. I kind of agree with Duarte that a cat could take on the dummies and win. I think it would be a fight I'd want to see at least. Or the cat dogs. Dog the cat dogs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Come full circle. That was Much beautiful. to consider. <laughs> Okay, well, Dorothy, thanks, thanks as ever for your your wisdom, your insight, uh, for for being so soft and so beautiful. We appreciate you, Dorothy. Yeah. <laughs> Do any humans have any closing thoughts? I thought it was another book. <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest takeaway. Is like this huge memory that I have in my like mind didn't exist. But anyway very interesting learning journey about myself in that regard (laughs) but i wasn't alone in that no you were not i also i also this is not (laughs) what i expected um a little disappointed but you know we're not a red goosebump and that i think is uh an achievement all of its own yes Yes. Mm -hmm. we won today (laughs) we did a victory over evil finally (laughs) a a victory of evil over evil that's true (laughs) even better um, all right. Well, if you want to come and talk to us um, about your splat ratings or whatever else, we are on social media, at Facebook and Instagram at Worst Bestsellers spelled normally. We're on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S because it turns out the S is actually in the second book all along and we um, <laughs> are still in the first book. <laughs> We also have a Goodreads group that is best accessed by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on Goodreads link. And while you're on Goodreads, you should also add Courtney's upcoming book on the girl to your want to read list. Just Agreed. add it on there. Thank you. Add it on there. You can Do subscribe it. to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcast, Amazon, Spotify, all of the places where podcasts live. And if you do that, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review, we might be forced to read the magical words that will bring the <laughs> ventriloquist dummy in storage in your attic to life to try and kill you. And you don't want that. Give them we all the splats. <laughs> We also have a Patreon available at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like pay for our web hosting and all sorts of other important administrivia of running a podcast. In exchange, there are perks for you like postcards and a monthly newsletter. In addition to all of that, we do also have merch available for sale, which you can find at worstbestsellers.com. And finally, uh, we have a Discord, which is also on worstbestsellers.com. There's a link to that. And you can join other fans of the show to talk about episodes, post pictures of your pets, and all sorts of other nonsense. Yeah, do it. Support this podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Courtney. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> it's still uh, menacing, but I'm like 10 plus on the evil scale. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to talk to just me personally with a with a dark secret that you can't tell to Kate, uh, tweet it at me <laughs> at Renata Snacks. <laughs> Uh, you can find me mostly on Instagram these days at 14 across. So even if you just publicly tweet that dark secret at Renata on Twitter, I still probably won't see it. Yeah. And Courtney, where can we find you on the internet? Anywhere and everywhere. No, just Instagram. Summer's Courtney. Highly aesthetic. Visit me and see. Yes. And of course, at your local bookstore. Oh, uh- Yeah. Under I S for summer. Buy them, please. And thank you. <laughs> oh, you got me covered. Thank you. <laughs> Can you tell I have a book coming out in like three months? I'm not yes. thinking about it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney, once again, thank you so much for joining us. It's such a pleasure. I'm so, I'm so happy. I love doing this. I love that we got you to read a, a goosebump. This is like I get to like end this podcast, open up my bucket list. Cross that off. Then bask <laughs> in the accomplishment. And I will. I will. Yes. Put a little um, splat mark next to the empty square. I will. Splat. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I like I read Courtney's. I read one of your first books when I was in grad school. And, like, I loved oh it. God. And I'm just like, I know. Like, such a journey. And I'm like, Courtney's on my podcast. Oh, no, Courtney's never forced me to read a goosebump against my will. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? I Who love bullying. I love bullying. I think the power of bullying is just greatly underrated. Look at the magical things that happen when you just needle someone until they do something that you told them to do. Yeah. They say you should never meet your idol, but I I did and she bullied me and I loved it. <laughs> I rated oh. 10 splats. <laughs> yes. I've achieved. Well, I I think that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks with another classic, The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin. By the way, I don't think once this episode we said the phrase flashback summer. We did but... not. I was just thinking that. We did not. <laughs> it is. Good you job, know it. Guys. <laughs> God, our branding is askew. That's because you were too busy looking out for mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't have your back at all. God. It's Flashback Summer by Courtney's Books. Uh, Don't take dummies out of the trash. I love you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. I'll delete this so that no one knows that I was rude. No, don't fight, girls. This is like the sisters. <laughs> Didn't you learn anything? Hey, it's still my turn with the dummy.